Welcome into the Husker 24-7 podcast. I am Mike Schaefer, joined by Brian Christofferson, Michael Brunts here on Thursday. Gentlemen, uh, how I'd ask how you're doing. I, I know BC's bummed, I'm bummed, Brunts might be bummed by the time people listen to this podcast. He could be elated. Do we just want to skip any, any postseason banter for me? Yes. Baseball? I started smoking yesterday in the eighth inning. They won, so I think I have to continue. So, do you, uh, like, let me try to guess your your brand here. Are you uh, you? You don't strike me as a menthol guy. Um, I could see you maybe going Winston's unfiltered. Why? Why would you assume that I don't just roll my own? I uh, well, that's a, that's a very good point. Uh, you. You have been working on the yard. Maybe you got a tobacco plant going on back there and been working on it all summer. I, I apologize for the, the forwardness of my, my assumption. Yeah, we've been uh, trying to grow grass in the yard uh, the last week or so. So it's been uh, no tobacco yet, though, either. Okay. All right, well, we'll just leave it a mystery as to what, uh, what brand Brunts is smoking. Is it Cools? It might be Cools. What is that? What is Don Draper? Lucky, lucky, uh, lucky strike. Can you still buy those? Is that a thing? <laughs> I, don't I don't think, think so. so. I don't think so. But uh, I was, I was pretending like we lived in a fictional world, world because I liked Mad Men that much. And maybe in that fictional world, the the Twins get more than one run a game in the playoffs. Although I don't think they're an organization yet. At the beginning of the Mad Men, they were just starting. So, <laughs> anyway, enough of that. Yeah, but think about it. When that when that show ends, the twins are just ready to uh, to get started for for a nice run in the '80s and early '90s. So you got that. There you go. That'll that'll make you feel good about things. All right, let's uh, let's try to stay on topic for us. Okay. For once. Let's let's dive into a little bit of recruiting. I'll start with this. James Carney's kind of the big story right now. Both, you know. For, for Nebraska and for Iowa, he told me on Sunday he's looking at October 11th as a potential date uh, that was two weeks away for, for him to make a decision. I think he is is ready to kind of move on. I know that he's hearing a lot from Kansas State and from Iowa. I still think that's close to a coin flip. I think um, the smart money is probably on Iowa because of how they use their tight ends, but I know he really likes that Kansas State staff do you guys, <clears throat> based on just what you've read and, and what you've heard, do you, do you guys sense that there could be an offer coming here for James Carney, or do you think that that door could just end up closed and, and we're going to be talking about James Carney as a what if, regardless of where he ends up? Yeah, it's, it's an interesting situation because you've got two tight ends committed already. You've got, you know, two, you know, maybe more than that, legit tight ends in, in the state in 2022. Um, so you, you're in a numbers crunch a little bit. I think he could play outside linebacker if need be. Um, in college, I think he's he's definitely uh, maybe a little underappreciated as a defender. But October 12th is, you know, what he's looking, when he's looking to decide. But, you know, I, I guess for me, it's like I, I don't know what Nebraska has to see at this point, you know? Like, I, I think it's more of a either they, they figure out the numbers or they don't kind of a thing because, I mean, James has made it pretty clear 
what he thinks about Nebraska. And, I mean, the, the ball's really in Scott Frost's court right now. And, for, and from your reporting, um, they, they haven't been able to connect yet. Yeah, which is, is sort of interesting. And, and you said Scott Frost's court. He's the one that's making this decision. I know internally – uh, that there's there's probably some people that that feel like Carney's offer worthy, but this is this is ultimately going to be Scott Frost's call, and so um, if the offer does come, it's going to be with his his seal of approval, and it'll likely come from him. BC, what do you think about this? I know when Scott Frost got here in 2017, he said that when there's Power Five players in their backyard, they want to keep them, uh, and and this is one that wants to go to Nebraska, and they've yet to kind of make that offer. How do you kind of square that up with what Frost was talking about? Well, I, I'll go this route with it. I, I always feel like in-state prospects, it's one of like the top three. I'd put it as one of the three most challenging parts of the job, honestly, because there is so much public uh, discourse on it where everybody's got this opinion. And sometimes – the public has an opinion on a player. Nobody, a lot, most of the people haven't even seen play. They've just heard as a good player. Um, and I, I haven't even seen James Carney play. I, so I take what I know about him from you guys who have, who say he's, he's, you know, been a very talented guy on the games you've watched and kind of stands out. I know he jumped out at the uh, Warren Academy uh, when he got a chance to participate there. Um, so He's got to be right on the verge of possibly getting that offer. But I do, I do have uh, – I feel for Husker's staff when it comes to having to make calls on in-state guys because you can't take everybody. And there are going to be some, some decisions where it goes right down to the wire. Um, I've seen it go with certain guys where we get to the, you know, two days before signing day and suddenly there's an offer – um, and the whole story changes. I mean, we've, we've seen that. We've seen late offers with, like, uh, Isaac Gifford last year got kind of a later offer in the process going into early signing day, I believe. And we've seen it with some other in-state guys. So I know James Carney is planning to decide soon, um, but I, I've seen enough of these things to know you, you wait till the, the very last hour before we uh, close the book on it. Because uh, sometimes an in-state – guy will uh he'll still go with nebraska even if that offer doesn't come to the very end yeah it, it's it's a tough discussion because uh, ultimately they want to make the right decision for for their program and there's a finite amount of spots uh but you also want to you want to bring in people that you that want to be there and so certainly with james carney that would be the situation there there are some other conversations to be had in state as well too including a guy that i I wrote about recently uh that i think everybody here has now seen play bc you've seen creighton prep this year or am i i'm mistaken yes i have okay so i I think all of us have seen play i I know brunts was at creighton prep last week i saw him the first week where they were they were probably the least impressive Alex Bullock is someone that I really would, liked his junior film. He came on my radar in August uh, when, when someone mentioned the name to me and I checked him out and then I went and watched him play. And the thing that stood out to me is the guy's all over the field. He's on every special teams unit. He's on every, uh, you know, offense, defense. He's a, he's a defensive back. He's a wide receiver. And he's starting to get some real FBS attention. Washington State, I think, 
is really interested. Northern Illinois is close. South Dakota State has already offered him. Nebraska offered him as a preferred walk-on this week. But there is a chance, and it's, there's a chance he could end up similar to an Isaac Gifford or a Ty Hahn, a guy that Nebraska likes enough. And maybe there isn't another Power 5 offer that comes in that would pull him away that they would look at him and, and see if he'd be willing to gray shirt. And I, I'm curious what you guys have seen from, from Alex uh, with his play as a wide receiver, because that's where Nebraska's looking at him. But as I said before, he's, he's kind of a guy that stood out to me right away because he's all over the field. He just plays every unit. And, and I like the, the effort and the intensity that I saw. What did you see, BC or, or Brunts, you know, when you, you watch Creighton prep this year? No, he's really good. He stands out all the time as one of the best players on the field. Um, sort of uh, the security blanket, it felt like, for, for Creighton Prep. Um, they were kind of struggling for most of the game I was at. And then uh, it felt like a few catches by him sort of got them going um, late in the game. And he was one of those guys, that, as I was watching, I thought, at first you think, you know, he's he's just a really – good high school player like there's these guys who you know are just they're sort of the the best of the best of high school players but you wonder uh if it tr will translate to them getting the opportunities they hope for at the next level but the more I watched it I I and the more I've heard from people who have watched him in other weeks um I've sort of come to the opinion that he's more than just a guy who's a really good high school player and that's where the end of the line for him um because he he is so um, he's done a really good job, I think, early in this season, um, kind of backing up what a lot of people who followed high school football around here closely already knew, uh, that he should get some eyes on him. He's, a, he's an interesting prospect, and I, I, don't, I don't know that he necessarily is like a, a guy that you run out and offer, but he's kind of in that – He's in that weird gray area where you'd love to you'd love to get him as a walk on, and I think that you know it's a school like Wyoming or a Northern Illinois or you know somebody you know at that level would be getting an absolute steal if um, they were able to get him. I mean, it's just a, a tough position, but you know, in kind of seeing him. Um, against Millard West the other night, you know, he was everywhere, especially on offense. I mean, the, when prep kind of came roaring back in the, in the fourth quarter, I mean, he was making plays on both sides of the ball. He's their captain. Uh, and, and just kind of that, that really good football player that, you know, you, you can probably find any number of places for him on the field. Um, you know, I, I think from Nebraska's point of view, they've kind of made it clear how they see him, but, uh, how that plays out, I don't know. I mean, it's Nebraska's in kind of a unique position right now that, you know, they're looking really heavy on the defensive side of the ball. There's not a lot of room on offense. So, you know, how you make that work, um, I, I don't know. But, you know, I think he's a guy that has certainly flown under the radar a little bit in terms of the, the better in-state talent in, in 2021. So, um you know, you, you show up to a prep game and you know A.J. Rollins is there and, and he gets a lot of attention and, and rightfully so. But I think, uh, I, I think you know, 
he's, he's shown that he's a gamer and there's always going to be a spot for on the football field for guys like that. Yeah, I, I think you hit on it. It's definitely a gray area. I don't think he's going to get a full ride from Nebraska. And I think he knows that too, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if he kind of hangs on, you know, even if Northern Illinois comes in with an offer, if he sort of hangs on and, and just kind of wants to see if, Nebraska does what they did with Gifford or, or Tyhan and, and offers him a potential scholarship spot down the road. Uh, if, if he were to walk on, I, I think that that could be a potential thing, but you know, he's also a pretty confident kid. And uh, I, like I said, I, I've been really impressed this year. I don't know how you guys have felt when I've gone to various games and, you know, you go there to with the intention of watching a couple specific guys and then, there's usually two or three more that, that pop up when you think, all right, well, this this state is a little deeper than I was even giving it credit for. And Alex Bullock was one of those guys for me right away that first week, and and it's only continued uh, from there. And we've kind of seen Nebraska starting to get into uh, walk-on offer time. They've, they've offered, I think, at least five publicly, uh, one committed in Matthew Schuster, and, and that's a guy that BC has – has written about and talked to a little bit and, and he's got kind of an interesting story. Yeah, he really does. Um, he was in Kozad for three years, which is uh, Brendan Holbein territory um, from Huskers of yesteryear. Uh, but then he, his family does have a background, I believe in the Ashland area and had been there before. And so he's playing at Ashland Greenwood his senior year. And he's one of those guys who, all he wanted was the opportunity to go to summer camps and, and show that his testing numbers uh, were true and that he was that guy and it wasn't just uh, some false information out there. Um, he trains uh, with Gibby Duvall, uh, Zach Duvall's brother, and he ran uh, a recorded uh, 4.49, I believe, and 4.5 40s back-to-back. Uh, which is really, really fast. I know there's a lot of fake 40 times that get thrown out there, but if you, le- if you can legit run that, uh, you, can, you can move, um, especially as a high school senior. So he's a running back. He wants to play running back. I, I buried the lead. He's the son of uh, former Husker fullback uh, Brian Schuster, who was on two championship teams in the 90s, also fullback in 96. Scott Frost was a quarterback. Um, so there's a, a connection there. Uh, but, yeah, just it sounds like a, a really, really good athlete. Uh, one of the better athletes uh, that, that uh, Gibby Duvall's trained. Um, and that's saying something because he works with a lot of top guys in this state, in this region. All right, good stuff. Any, any more thoughts on recruiting here? Uh, anything else that's caught your guys' eye, Brunts? No, not really. Uh, you know, it, it, you know, with uh, getting down to the decision time for a few guys, you mentioned Carney, Ruquan Buckley uh, up in Michigan, getting close. So it's been a little quiet for the commits for Nebraska, but it, it's, uh, I guess, how do you see the next month or so shaking out as Nebraska kind of gets back to the field and playing football again? So what I think is really interesting right now is I think there's been a pretty strong push for Nebraska 2022-wise where they're really trying to get both graphics out there, they're getting their name out, they're making some offers uh, to guys that they've been talking to for a little while. Johnny Dixon is an offensive lineman out of Houston uh, or in the Texas area, I should say. 
that <clears throat> he picked up a Nebraska offer and they had actually been talking with him since the first day they could talk to 2022 kids. And he remarked in an older story to Brian Peroni that Nebraska is one of the schools coming in pretty strong and he wouldn't be surprised if there was an offer. Lo and behold, at the end of the month, the Huskers come through with one. And so I, I think that they have a lot of attention out on 2022 right now, which tells me they're in their end game. They feel pretty good about where they're sitting uh, with several guys. I think some of those could come to fruition here. You know, there's, there's not a lot of names being bandied about because I, I think they've really sort of settled in on, on what they're looking at. And so if a few decisions get made and, and we start to get closer to 2021, uh, 22, then it's going to be sort of a uh, interesting to see if there's any new or late names that pop up and what positions those guys might play. And then in addition to all of that, I mean, they've been circling back on a number of their commitments to make sure things are, are pretty strong there, but it's, it's an interesting time in recruiting because this is kind of when the board condenses and it feels like the updates are on the same 15 guys all the time, but uh, that's just sort of where we're at. And we're going to have to start turning our eye to 2022. Normally we'd have, you know, game visits that we could start to learn about some of these guys. We're going to have to to really follow the, the social media. Uh, James Mons, who BC has written about before, uh, the, the, the nephew of, of Wander Mons, is that right? Yeah, uh, Wander Mons is his uncle, uh, from what I understand, and Wander Mons was a very good DB in the mid-70s uh, with amazing hair, and uh, James also has the similar hair. It's great. He's been, uh, he's been pretty active tweeting about Nebraska lately, too, so we'll, we'll start to dive into to some of that stuff. We're going to take a quick time out. Before we get there, do want to remind you, we are going to do that Q&A uh, pod where we, we take your questions off of five-star reviews, you know, whether it's Apple, Stitcher, uh, anywhere that you get this podcast, feel free to drop us a five-star review. We will look for your questions. We will try to get to all of them. Uh, we're starting to get quite a few in there, and uh, it's going to be a pretty good podcast, so you don't want to miss out on that. That's going to happen before the season starts. So here within the next couple of weeks, we will get to – the Q&A pod. When we come back, we're going to dive into a little bit of what we learned from Eric Shenander, Travis Fisher, Mike Dawson, Jojo Doman, and Deontay Williams, who all spoke with Nebraska media on Tuesday. Stick around for that. The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new car. Like a legendary Camry, built for performance and available with all-wheel drive, you can count on your new Camry to get anywhere you need to go. And with available features like heated seats and a multimedia touchscreen, you can stay connected in comfort and style. Or check out an affordable and reliable Corolla with a trim for every lifestyle. From the hip and agile sedan to the sporty hatchback, there's a dependable Corolla built just for you. Plus, both Camrys and Corollas are available in hybrid models. So no matter your style, you can drive efficiently and affordably. And right now, your local Toyota dealer has more vehicles in stock and is making delivery on new vehicles almost every day. So visit your local Toyota dealer. And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places. New CBS Monday. Federal agents. Here's where we can see them. NCIS Hawaii is back. 
New criminals to catch. Armed robbery, aggravated assault, murder. And new investigations to be solved. These guys were good, but even masters make mistakes. Vanessa Lachey and featuring LL Cool J. Violent Island, we got here. Welcome to paradise. A new NCIS Hawaii, Monday, 10, 9 central on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. All right, guys. I teased it. We got a little. Uh, we got a little media access. Do you, do you, does it feel a little bit more like football is happening? Does it? You, you feel a little sense of uh, that this thing is actually getting underway after talking with Eric Shenander and, and the rest of the gang on Tuesday, BC? Uh, yeah, I do. There, there's a few things that are at play. We're talking to coaches and players again, and uh, there's a chance for fans to have their cardboard cut out. Um, you know, in Memorial Stadium, uh, there's a little price tag. How much would you pay, Schaefer, to put your cardboard cutout, like, behind the plate at a Cleveland Indians playoff game? I, I don't know if I would pay anything. Um, okay. Because right. I, I just don't know. Uh, I would just be mad that I'm not actually there. It's really what it comes down to. And then I'd be mad about the Dolans and we don't need to get into all of that. But I have a question for you. How much is Brunt's going to pay to get a Purdue Pete cardboard cutout somewhere <laughs> at Memorial Stadium? Do you have to – I haven't looked at the, the rules. I'm assuming you can't just, like, put anybody's picture on there, right? Some people manage to get Steve Bartman in Wrigley Field. So it's, you know, you can be creative. So, because the, the A's had like MC Hammer, and they had Tom Hanks from when he used to sell hot dogs at the Coliseum when he was a kid, and all this other stuff. Like, I think it would it would be kind of funny if you just had like just had like a section of like random Husker players from like the mid the mid like aughts. Like, I don't know. Like, I, I can't even think of one that comes to mind. Like, you'd have like. Like Jake Anderson sitting next to Ross Pilkington, like in a section, <laughs> something like that. Like, I think that would be, I think I'd go some, something like that. I wouldn't pay a ton of money to do that, but I think that would be, uh, I would find that funny. It would be a complete waste of money, but I, I would, uh, I would chuckle to myself. I, I sort of enjoy when it's like random cartoon things. And so if you just did like a whole section that was like the serial mascots and you had the Lucky Charms leprechaun there and like Count Chocula and Captain Crunch and they're all just hanging out in, you know, the East Balcony. And then the camera just pans to that after a Nebraska play. I'd here's, be okay with that. That would, that would get a chuckle out of me. Here's what we do. We pool our money together. We purchase cutouts of a whole bunch of random 1990s wrestlers. So you have, like, Macho Man Randy Savage sitting next to the Bushwhackers. How random? Like, are you talking, like, Tugboat? Yeah. Like, Earthquake? Tsunami? Wasn't there a tsunami? Yeah, there is a tsunami. It was part of the natural disasters with Earthquake. You have, like, Doink and Dink the Clown. Like, yep. that, that kind of stuff. Like, I think that's the direction that I would go. Is just It, it would be like like a Royal Rumble almost. It's like, who, who's next? It's, uh, it's the Legion of Doom. <laughs> so that's what I would do. I, would, I wouldn't mess around with my own picture. I would uh, go with Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen. 
You have any? You have anything you'd want to throw in there, BC, or are you just done? With um, it? <laughs> he I. Thinks he thinks we're stupid. That's the thing. No, well, you get. I mean, he, he didn't need this talk to have that thought. Yeah. You get. You guys Just know I, I. I. You guys know I don't know my wrestling as well as you guys do. So I had to kind of sit out while Bruns was, <laughs> Bruns was talking there. Um, I would. I would do some of those. You know how there's like sort of these people who are famous or whatever who, they've had, brief interactions with Husker football over the years, and we sometimes outlets around here still act like they're like big fans, like Matt Damon, for example. Yeah. Um, like, you know, you could put a bunch of pictures of Matt Damon. You know, he threw the bones on the one trip when his nephew was in town uh, and actually was on the roster briefly. I think you guys – I wasn't with you guys at the time, but I think you broke that story. It's a pretty big deal. I'm um, sure did. Yeah, I, uh, I, I definitely have never had my story ripped off from E! Hollywood uh, <laughs> news before, so. Well, that was a that was a you talk about click hitters. That was a that was a click uh, a click story. But yeah, I would do like Matt Damon, and I don't know. There's probably some other ones who. Bill have had, Murray. Yeah, Bill Murray. You could show on the sidelines, like he's a giant Husker fan. Of course, they do have legitimate uh, famous Husker fans. Gabriel Union, of course, Princess Gabby. Um, Scott Porter. Um, yep. Uh, Adam Devine, and so on and so forth. People are yelling at me because I'm not throwing everybody. I can't think of every name right now, but uh, Clarence Thomas. So there's a there's a list of people they can put up like that. I guess that'll work. That'll work. Uh, what, what? Who do who do you want me to start with? Players or coaches? You Let's, do co- Let's do coaches. Okay. All right, so Travis Fisher is is certainly one of my favorite interviews when we get the opportunity. It, it seemed like he was giving out some good stuff there. Brunts, what did you what did you kind of hear? What did you notice uh, with Travis Fisher and what he had to say? Yeah, he was kind of kind of all over the map with what he was being asked. I mean, he he talked about the, the most interesting part. I thought was you know he, he addressed the the three players from Florida who transferred out. Um, before the, uh, the basically the season start of the season and kind of about the challenge of you know when a guy comes to a game in Lincoln and, and that's his experience in Lincoln and then you come to Lincoln in the dead of winter and the middle of a pandemic it's it's challenging um, and, and you don't really kind of get um, you know what's what's going on and I think I think that you know if you know, COVID hadn't happened. I, I think the situation with some of those guys would be a little bit different than, than what it ended up being. Um, but that was interesting. He kind of talked about how, you know, they, they really leaned on some of the older guys to, to kind of help the younger guys and, and keep them around. So uh, that was notable. And he talked a little bit about the wide receiver group, how they're a little tougher to cover this time, this time around just because they're bigger which I think that's going to be a noteworthy difference for the offense. We're going to talk to, to Matt Lubick later today, uh, later this morning here, uh, about his wide receiver group. But, um, you know, when I mean, Travis Fisher says it's a little bit of a tougher matchup, I think that's probably going to be the feeling of a number of uh, teams that Nebraska is going to face this year. Just Nebraska wide receiver is going to look a lot different physically than they have in a long time. Yeah, the, the other thing that was interesting there is – 
I mean, he more or less said what we all knew. You know, last year in Nebraska, basically you worry about like two guys covering at wide receiver if you're the lined up against them. And he said so far the signs are that they could, you know, there's six or seven capable, capable guys, maybe even eight. Um, he didn't want to name names of those receivers who were jumping out. Uh, he did talk a little bit about Nadab Joseph, which was, uh, you know, he's here and he's uh, fitting in, it seems like, according to Travis Fisher with the older guys. And so he's going to be a, obviously a guy of curiosity on the roster where he fits in and what is going to be a really heated competition, not just to be a starter, but to be even kind of on the second team, I think, in Travis Fisher's secondary this year. Uh, so I and I I thought Travis Fisher laid out really well um, the situation with the guys who left and basically you've got these guys who come as recruits to Lincoln in normal times and some of them come for games and the place is full and the campus is alive and then they get here and it's just gone you know there's none of that there's no buzz there's no anything we've talked about this on this podcast before you know, Lincoln is a town that just feeds off that energy that's kind of connected to football. And I don't make any apologies for that. I think it's a cool thing. And, pe- and people live here know that it's, it's in a special environment and it, it puts a jolt in people's step. And that was missing while those guys were here. And I thought he put, uh, we have it on our site, that story, but I thought he put uh, in good words uh, the challenge of, of keeping guys like that who come from far away and when you're not playing football or don't know if you're going to play football. The unknown is a very scary thing. So uh, Travis Fisher, as usual, I thought uh, delivered on a variety of subjects. He's always uh, one of my favorites over there to talk to. Yeah. What, uh, what about Eric? <laughs> excuse me. What about Eric Shenander? What would you guys learn there? I, the, my main takeaway, I guess, was, uh, maybe this is just buzzword offseason talk, but we kind of live in that world, uh, was talking about the pursuit of energy in everything they do, um, not just because obviously you need that to be a good football team, but especially in these times, you're going to have to, in his own words, bring your own juice um, when you get to these games, I mean, we're, they're going to be playing in front of those cardboard cutouts of those wrestling characters we're talking about or whoever. And it's, you know, maybe there's only like a hundred people in the stands in this giant stadium. Um, you have to, you know, kind of pump each other up and, and, uh, feed off each other and, and, and build that excitement. And that's gotta become a habit throughout this, this camp leading into the season. So, I know to some people that's kind of cliche talk and I get it, but I do know where he's coming from this year because it's going to be a season like unlike anything we've ever seen as far as, you know, no fans in the stands and, and uh, you know, kind of a weird, probably dead setting a little bit if you are not fired up and, and ready to, to, to fire up your teammates. Basically, it's, a, it's an 11 a.m. Uh, kickoff at Purdue on uh, ESPN news every week, except it's way worse than that as far as energy goes. And so that's, that's uh, that's a challenge before players and athletes in this conference this year. Anything BC didn't hit on Brooks? No, that's pretty much everything. It was a lot of scheduling talk. And uh, I, I would, I felt, it kind of felt like that first session, it was like we needed to like get the COVID 
stuff out of our system um, question-wise. And, and I don't know. I, I also think the fact that they're in pads now um, will probably lead to a little bit more uh, X's and O's and that kind of stuff, which I'm looking forward to. What, what about Deontay Williams? I thought it was really interesting. He was one of the guys that they chose to speak uh, to the media here early on. He's someone we saw a grand total of 11 plays or whatever from last year. And is a guy that is a lot of respect, I think, in the, inside the walls of that program. Deontay Williams, have anything to say that caught your eye, Brooks? The, the, his stuff on energy I thought was pretty good. Um, you know, I, I think, too, and, and, I mean, he didn't really talk about this because it, it would be kind of an awkward thing to say about yourself, but I, I think he really is going to be a key for that defense. Um, you know, they need somebody that kind of has a nose for the ball in that secondary. And, I mean, they, they have guys like that. But I, th- I think that Deontay Williams um, can, can give them flexibility that no other player back there can in terms of calls and if they want to mix things up a little bit. So he's a quiet guy. I think Travis Fisher kind of mentioned that, that, you know, he, he, he's a mature, quiet guy. But I think his voice, um, when he does speak over in those walls, does carry a lot of weight. So um, I, I think that's going to be – um, something to watch with him. I, I feel like he's a guy that's after everything he's been through with the knee injuries, then last year missing most of that season and then not knowing uh, what, what this year was going to hold. He feels like a guy that I would, I would feel comfortable betting, betting a good amount of money that he's going to have a strong season. Yeah. I feel like both the storylines around him and Jojo Doman, who also talked were them acknowledging they've got to prove it, not just this team, but them as individuals. Um, Obviously Deontay wants to play at the next level, but injuries have kept him from getting any film out there really in the last year. And uh, so he did acknowledge, he said, yeah, real quickly. He said, yeah. When he was asked if he thought about, you know, looking around when it wasn't known if the big 10 was going to play, but then he also said, you know, right now his focus is just week to week what's in front of him, not, um, you know, not thinking about uh, a pro future or what comes after, if you're sticking around next year, any of that stuff. So those guys have a lot on their mind, though. Those senior guys who, um, you know, technically the way the eligibility is set up now, some guys could come back. We'll have to figure all that out. Um, But, you know, some guys are wanting to have – eight, nine really good football games on tape, and and then they can move on with their careers. And it also could help Nebraska's probably um, actually, you know, roster numbers too if it sort of worked out that way. All right, any any final things from the the availability you had? And then, of course, you'll have more. You'll get a chance to talk with Matt Lubick and Sean Becton, uh, Greg Austin, as well as Cam Jurgens and Jack Stoll. BC will sit that one out, I'm sure. But um, oh, really go, really go hard in the paint. <laughs> uh, it's been like a couple weeks, right? Like I needed to, needed to keep that feud going. Throw a little log. The thing I always worry about is there people don't know, and there's this act. There's gonna they're gonna ponder about it. They'd be like, why doesn't this guy like Jack Stoll? I really like Jack Stoll. That's why I always come back and say that. I like him and that this joke was not started by me. So I'm not going to turn around in my chair and have my back face the camera 
when, when Jack Stoll's talking on the Zoom call. Oh, God, Bruns, please ask why Jack Stoll and BC are feuding to Jack <laughs> Jack, what do you think about pencil-necked writers not liking you? <laughs> what, what do you got against BC's neck? Nothing. Oh, that's accurate. That's accurate. All right. Well, uh, any any final thoughts? No, that was it. Yeah, that was Pen- it. Pencil neck. <laughs> End with that. All right. Uh, as always, we, we we actually stayed on on task pretty good here today and, and on topic. We'll be back next week with a couple more podcasts. Uh, like I said, five-star reviews wherever you get your podcasts. We want your questions for the mailbag. We're going to be doing that show very, very soon. We appreciate it. Be sure to check out everything on Husker 24-7, of course. Uh, all of the, the offensive uh, stuff that will be coming up here on Thursday, you can catch that on the website throughout the weekend. I'll have more recruiting things. I'm doing a rewind where I'm going through the guys currently committed. Uh, I will have more of those coming today. I believe Heinrich Harburg is up next, and uh, we'll see where it goes from there. So be sure to check out Husker 24-7 for all of our stuff. We will catch you next week. It's the NFL offseason, but on Pick 6, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, the football season never stops. Host Will Brinson, John Breach, and Tyler Sullivan are joined by analysts like Brady Quinn, Leslie Ducible, Katie Mox, and R.J. White to keep you in the loop on everything happening around the league. Whether it's free agents signing with new teams, the all-important NFL draft, or schedule release day, Pick 6 has you covered. As the face of the league changes with every team move and player pickup this spring, Pick 6 is a must Listen, download, and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the Odyssey app, and anywhere podcasts are found.